Oh, there we go. <laughs> one, two, three, one, two, three. Welcome to episode 134 of Auto Off Topic. Hey, Brad. Good evening, Andrew. How are you today? I'm good. Excellent. This is a hat podcast today. We're both wearing hats, which is not normal for either of us to wear hats. Pod hat cast. Pod hat cast. Pod hat. Uh, I only mention this because we're actually, as a reminder, recording on video to post to YouTube as well. So normally it wouldn't matter what we are wearing, but just a point of reference for this evening. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, did you see that Craigslist is going to charge money now? To post cars? I haven't been able to avoid that in the internet <laughs> the past week or so. It's been kind of a subject of topic... Top, yeah. <laughs> Let's try again. It's been kind of a big subject lately on the social medias. Yeah. Um, hmm. So it's going to be starting April 15th, so after we've recorded this podcast. Isn't that today? April 15th was last Monday. Today's the 17th. Okay. Of April, 2019. Okay. For those in the future, uh, it's gonna be five dollars to post a private party car ride. Now, apparently, dealers were it's, being it's charged been there for a while for dealers. Yeah, yeah, and it's been a while for like, um, even like uh, what uh, like job posters and stuff like okay. those. Yep. Yeah, you had to pay for it. That's how Craigslist makes their money. But it's like Craigslist is such a crazy crapshoot that you end up with like all these like spam things all the time mm-hmm. because people just post their car like every day and dealers post them as non-dealers and then they do it so often that they don't get caught yeah so it's hard to find often what you're looking for unless you use one of those uh apps that searches all of craigslist even then it comes up with all of the yeah it gets everything another thing that people especially the dealers do is they'll be selling a ford focus but they'll put down on the bottom a bunch of keywords and it'll list like every car ever made so you'll type you know you'll be looking for uh you know for whatever reason a ford fusion yeah 2007 ford fusion and you'll get like every car that person has ever. but you have to search ford escort yes because if you search (laughs) just escort you won't get anything it's a banned word yeah uh, same as Hummer, apparently. We were trying to look for Hummer H1s the other day. Uh, no, it proved not to be correct. Oh, I Hummer had a, is okay. I had the settings wrong. You can search oh, Hummer okay. without saying AM General Hummer, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. I thought we stumbled on another one. Um, and also, Craigslist is full of like crazy people, but... That's that's the internet in general. Facebook Marketplace is like really bad. Mm-hmm. I, don't ha- I don't think I've had any luck using that. The other problem I have with Facebook Marketplace is... It gets shared to, like, Facebook groups, and then you have lots of people commenting on your for sale item that aren't really interested in it. Yeah. Which is super annoying. Because at least on Craigslist, I mean, occasionally you'd get somebody trolling you. They'd be like, oh, why don't you charge half the price? Maybe I'll buy it. But when you have a a Facebook ad put up and people can just, like, do a quick hit response to your ad, you get a lot of quick hit responses to your ad, and it's not cool. Yeah, I don't need uh, the peanut gallery. Exactly. My car is the car. Here's the price. And I dealt with this, you know, when I was selling my Cressida, you know, a couple of years ago. I put it on Facebook for sale. Oh, it was would, around? Yeah, it was, very be- it was the very beginning of mm-hmm. Facebook Marketplace. And I, I put it on, you know, Facebook for sale, and I would just get, like... Comments. I've been. Oh, told- it's a '78 Toyota. I'll I'll give you 400 bucks for it if you let me run it in demolition derby. Yeah. And the other problem I think I've been told with it is that it is not nationwide. So it's very, or it's very well. It is nationwide, it's but it's difficult to search nationwide. Yes. Yeah. So you can't just go to you know, there's a Craigslist Boston, a Craigslist Phoenix, a Craigslist Los Angeles. You yep. can't just go to that version of Craigslist and look through the listings. Right. There's no Facebook Marketplace no version of this, it. Yeah. and it. And it's like limited by, I think when you go from your profile, it's limited by wherever your hometown your is set. Your IP address. Yeah. Or your IP address. So it's kind of like, it's just super annoying. And then we, we've we touched on it a little bit before about uh, like the for sale apps, if they were going to kill Craigslist. Yeah, but they're kind of awful too, though. Are they? I haven't yeah. used any of them. I've used, I used both OfferUp and LetGo. And um, they're just, the problem is, is that they're not full of quality posts, quality things for sale. It's like some guy selling 
his used jeans. It's like, what do I, want? I don't want to. Yeah. Who's taking the time to market and sell a pair of used pants for $5? Like, what's going on in the world around us? I don't understand. They have holes in them. Throw them in the trash. Yeah. But I've found that even when bu- selling a car on OfferUp or Let Go or anything, you get the same stuff you got from Craigslist. The, I'll help you sell your car, or I'll get your car in front of X amount of people. And you know, you get people that will just email you because both OfferUp and Let Go have like a quick reply option. So people will just be scrolling through and just quick replying, but not actually interested in buying your product. So you wind up dealing with a lot of that too. I honestly, I think if people weren't so cheap, Craigslist charging five. I think if Craigslist started by charging five dollars when they first came out, it wouldn't be an issue. The problem is Craigslist has been free for fifteen years. Yeah. And now they want to charge, so now people are incest incest about it. I mean, you used to. I mean, yeah. I are they are they just being outrageous people on the internet? Like right. They, no, they're being incensed because they have had it for free for so long. Yeah. It'd be like if we have this free podcast we let our listeners listen to it. We don't charge anything for it. If tomorrow we were like, all right, guys, I'll have to talk podcast, $5 to download. We'd have nobody download it because, A, it's not worth $5, and, B, everybody's used to getting it for free. So, Well, yeah, maybe not worth 5 bucks. You know what I mean. There's some value there. Let's we're not, not we're, it. We're not charging it, though. So that's yeah. we, We're never going to either, so... That's the, that's that's just the kind of the point I'm trying to make. You, you gave somebody something for free for so long, and now you want to charge them for it. They're gonna get upset. And if they had charged for it in the beginning, maybe it wouldn't have taken off. But if it did take off, then now it wouldn't be a big deal. Back when you used to have to sell your car in the want advertiser or in the newspaper, that wasn't free. I think they only charged you when it sold. Who did? Yeah. Who did? Uh, Auto Trader? Absolutely no. not. One of them didn't. Well, it wasn't one of the popular ones because I know for a fact that I've paid to advertise cars for sale in Auto. Um, what was it called? One there, around here, Auto Hunter. There was one of them. Maybe towards the end of it, they were like trying to compete. With they were Craigslist. probably trying to compete with free Craigslist. And then, of course, everyone's like, "Well, no, I didn't sell it." Mm. <laughs> wink, yeah, wink. I, I do kind of remember that. In the end, there was like. You don't pay for the ad unless your car sells. Yeah. And then, you know, they, they call you up. Hey, did your car sell? And you're like, yep. no. <laughs> did they see the ad through oh. our, our our magazine? Uh, Nope. <laughs> no, we never did that. No, we didn't. But people <laughs> did, which is why they went out of business. <laughs> so I, I think that that's probably the biggest problem of all because I don't think that it's – I don't think it's not reasonable to charge somebody $5 to get their car or whatever they're selling – promoted to the general public because it's operating costs associated with doing that. Mm. So nobody's sitting in their basement for free running Craigslist. Like it's some everybody's got to get paid. It's a dude named Craig and he just runs it. Right. His wife Angie does Angie's list about, you know, finding yeah. the best carpenters. Yeah. It's, a, it's a team effort. But I I, th- I think that that's that's the main rub. It's just that it's been free and now it's not. So because it was never a free option before. The only free option was putting a sign in the back of the car on the side of the road. And even then, you had to pay a buck or two for the sign. Yeah, and it wasn't... I mean, it's it worked really well because it's so simple. What, just putting a sign in your car? No, no, no. Craigslist. Oh, Craigslist, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there, like... if Craigslist also is to blame for there being, like, 11 dead cars in my yard. So... No. <laughs> I mean, you don't blame... Craigslist is to blame. Okay, yes. sure. <laughs> um, I mean, do you blame a, a fork for, you know... <laughs> I also blame my overweight on my ability to easily get good food. Yes. Um, so, if somebody made something that was better than Craigslist, but cost $5, do you think people would use it? Yes. I think that people are just upset because it was free and now it's And hot. something that was like geared towards people who want to buy and sell cars? Yes. Look at the bring a trailers of the world. Yeah. I mean, that site came from just reposting Craigslist ads. Yeah. To charging you to sell your own car on their site. Through, nobody, through an auction, right? Yeah. Do they have classifieds? They do have classifieds. They do have classifieds, yeah. Right. But nobody balked when they started charging because they had a built-in audience already. Mm. So if you put your car on bring a trailer... 
and bring a trailer accepts it, which is another bone of contention at the moment, um, then yeah, they would the car will sell, almost almost guaranteed. So yep, interesting. So yeah, there's definitely a market for it. Is there a market for more than one? Time will tell. That's a very specialized one, you know. That's obviously for vintage cars. You can't go on there and sell your 2009 Corolla. So right now, there's nowhere to do that for free. No, because I think even on the big, the big name ones that advertise on TV, you'd have to pay, even as a private seller. What big name ones on TV are you talking about? Like Auto Trader, Car Gurus. Oh yeah, you definitely pay as a seller on those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which part of the reason that Car Gurus is mostly dealerships is because. People didn't want to pay because they could just list it for free on Craigslist. Hmm. So, Interesting. Interesting yeah. poll. So, how great was Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee on Sunday? It was really good. So, it was the first event of the season. Mm-hmm. Great turnout. Great yeah, weather. I'd say at least 200 cars, probably more. Yep. Good mix of cars. Uh, good mix of people. Everybody was cool. Almost. There's a couple, a couple of garbage people, as always. but I didn't notice. There was one... Short wheel, like, short wheel base. Um, regular cab, short bed, like, 89 Chevy pickup truck did a burnout across the back of the parking lot. Oh. And there was some chucklehead in a Saab 9.3 that had, like, a straight pipe and was just bouncing it off the rev limiter through the parking lot. That was super annoying. I didn't even notice. I certainly did. Grumpy old man Brad notices all that stuff. No, it was cool, and a bunch of people that listened to the show came out, and a bunch of people that we know came out, and we even had uh, listener Steve Booten came up. Yeah, from Connecticut. And, yeah, and uh, his girlfriend Katie. And they fiance. Bro- fiance, sorry. And they brought us some really good beer. They do. He works at uh, Shebeen Shib- uh, Brewery. Yeah. Which, if I screw the name up, it's S-H-E-B-E-E-N. That's how I assume it's pronounced. In Connecticut. Um, and everything I've sampled so far. He brought us four packs. I've yeah, he gave, my third of them. Yeah, he gave us matching four packs of like mixed beers. Yeah, they're a good, you know, small size craft brewery down there, and they have a tasting room. It's really yeah. good. You've got the stuck in a roundabout. I do London style sweet milk stout. It's got an Austin America on it, driving in a roundabout, saying, uh, "Look, kids, there's Big Ben." Yeah, <laughs> and all I can think of is European vacation. Look, kids, Big Ben Parliament, which I'm sure is a reference they're going for. Yes, I would hope you would think of that. Yes. Uh, so that yeah, that's a cool one. And then I've got the cannoli stout series, chocolate orange, which kind of tastes like. I'm not usually into chocolate and orange, and it tastes like those candies you get around Christmas time, where it's a, a giant chocolate, but flavored with. It's in the shape of an orange, and it's like hollowed, and it's flavored with orange. So that's like super super good. And I had. Yeah, so I've had yeah I've had these two, and then there was uh, he gave us a John Beer, which is an India Pale Ale, mm-hmm. and um, a what was the other one? Was that like a honey? I challenge you to remember the other one. It was a honey IPA. I honey IPA. The name of it, unfortunately. He said it was a uh, contract brew. It wasn't actually theirs. It was. It's from Boondoggle Beers. Yeah. Uh, layover. Honey. Honey India Pale Ale. Hun- honey India Pale Ale is what it was. But yeah, so definitely if you're a beer person, look up uh, Shabine Brewery in Connecticut. They have some good stuff. They do have a tasting room where they have everything on tap, and they do can, and they fill growlers. Wolcott, Connecticut. Yep. Shabine Brewing. They have uh, all the social medias. Yeah, it's quite delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to look at Steve's Miata, which is really cool, he drove it up. Yeah. On um, Instagram, he's Disco Steve, which is D-A-I-S-C-0 underscore Steve. Disco Steve. Disco Steve says, Disco, drink my beer. Um, and also, locally, did you see that seven-time NASCAR champion Jimmy Johnson ran the Boston Marathon? I did see that, yes. I didn't know you did it till it was over. I have uh, one friend of mine who is a giant NASCAR fan and a giant Jimmy Johnson fan. So she had been posting on Facebook about it happening, so I knew it was happening. <laughs> but other than that, I would not have known it was happening. It was pretty cool because he did an impressive time. He was looking to go under, just under three hours. Mm-hmm. Got three hours and ten minutes. Yeah, that's really fast to run twenty six miles. Yeah, yeah, that's and like the conditions weren't great. Uh, they were like cold and rainy and overcast. Not as bad as it was the year before, but yeah. and also wasn't eighty. So yeah, 
But uh, no, that's yeah, that was cool. pretty. That was pretty impressive that he ran because he literally had driven a NASCAR race two days prior. Yeah, they said it was only because of the way the schedule worked out, where the NASCAR the was actual, on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, the it's not Xfinity, not Monster Energy. Not it's Monster. It is Monster, Monster Energy. Energy it's now? the top one. Yeah. Okay. It was on a Saturday. The Winston Cup race. We'll just call it like it's it is. The Winston Cup yeah. race. <laughs> yeah. He won the. He, he ran the Winston Cup race. Sucked down some cigarettes. Yeah. Went and ran a marathon. Yeah. Smoked a bunch of Winstons and, um, so, you've got a new car. We didn't announce it in the last podcast because we had a guest. We had a guest. Yeah, I do have a new car. What'd you get? Uh, we teased I it. Bought a 2013, which is already a shocker for most of our listening audience. I'm sure. Yeah, who already follow Brad on. Well, yeah, they if they follow us on social media, they know what I got. But if if they follow us on social media, why do we even record a podcast? So. I guess uh, Andrew says I can't tell you about my car now. So it's a total cycle. Um, but yeah, I bought a 2013 Volkswagen Jetta Sport Wagon TDI. Mm-hmm. So TDI TDI, one of the dirty, dirty diesels. Yeah. So I have pretty much that's the car like the internet clamors for a diesel manual station wagon. Yeah. Just not brown. That's the only, the only thing that makes it the perfect. The perfect four is to be brown. Beige interior. Yeah, it's not the same. But I would want to, the brown the car comes in is like a tan, and it's gross. So yeah. If it came in a dark brown, it would be a different story. It is red, but though. But it is bright red. It is, it is bright red. doesn't get much more red than that with a, like a biscuity, tan, pleather interior. Taupe. Taupe. That's a good word for it. Heated seats, manual transmission, Bluetooth, all the good stuff. Um, really nice condition. 40,000 miles. Warranty. Warranty to like seventy five thousand miles, and it, emissions warranty to like one hundred and eighty thousand miles. Yeah, it is one of the the diesels that was recalled. Yes, it's been uh, repaired. It's a buyback car. It's been uh, quote unquote repaired. Yeah, fixed, fixed diesel, reflashed. Um, they, the two thousand and fourteen and down cars that were recalled did not require any modifications other than just a reflash to the ECU. Hmm. Uh, because the way the emission standards were for those years, they could still make them pass. With just making them run, interesting at a different efficiency cycle, basically with the ECU, so that's good. The 2015 and up cars uh, were retrofitted with urea injection. Yeah, you know the diesel diesel exhaust fluid DEF, um, which thankfully mine does not have. Mine does have regen. It does have all that stuff that the modern diesels have, um, but not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I've been driving it now for almost a thousand miles. It's a turbo I, diesel. It hasn't happened yet, so. I don't know when it does, I don't know anything about it, but supposedly it happens behind the scenes and I don't really know anyway, except the dashboard tells you. I believe it usually happens on a highway. Possibly. Because they don't want it to, it gets really hot and they don't want to do it in traffic. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, it's a nice car. I've quickly... Um, what do you get for mileage? I don't be that guy. Talk about my diesel be, mileage. Be that guy. Um, I got in the mid-40s for my first tank. Whoa. Yeah. It's pretty good. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of highway on that, though. Still. Um, it, most people, I guess, when you're doing like mixed driving, it's upper 30s. Still. Yeah, which is, you know, 30, 38 is not unheard of. I had like 43-something I got on my that particular tank, but that was with a lot of highway driving. I did probably 400-and-somewhat miles of highway, so mm-hmm. it got really good mileage in the first tank. No, that's really cool. Yeah, no, can't complain. Um, I knew I was going to like the car, uh, but it's definitely endeared itself to me a lot more as I've been driving it. It's not an old car. It doesn't have a lot of weird quirks. It's weird being in a modern car that kind of, it goes unnoticed in traffic. It's modern-ish, but when I drove it, it reminded me of your 03 Mark IV. Yeah, 02. Or whatever. Yeah. But it reminded me of a Mark IV. Like they, they yeah, it's very similar. They didn't change not, much. Not a lot has changed in the driving feel of a Volkswagen. Yeah, from Mark since, IV yeah, to like Mark Like 98 six. through now. <laughs> yeah. It's a very similar feel. Very similar plastics. Mm-hmm. It just all kind of feels familiar. Um, it'll be my... Because I had a B5A4. I've had two Mark IVs. And yeah. now this is a Mark VI. So I've had four modern-ish VW products. Um, and they all definitely kind of have a very a very similar feel to them. And then what's different? The regular wagon got the beam rear suspension, but the... So all the sport wagons get 
the um, independent in the rear. Independent rear suspension. The sedans get the twist beams now in the rear. Yeah, because then a mark. So it's it's essentially 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 like a big GTI. Yeah, because on the Mark, the Mark Six on the Mark Six, it. they really went back to bare bones yeah, to they save made, a ton they made of money on it. So you could buy a brand new, you can buy a brand new Jetta today for fifteen nine. Yeah, but it's because it it comes with you know a rear axle beam versus an independent rear it and probably with, drums in the rear. They're, it could come with drums in the rear. I don't know. Yeah, they come pretty stripped down, hubcaps yeah. and. But for how inexpensive they are, the interiors are pretty nice and they're a decent car. The the base model new cars the interiors definitely lack. I'd say your car is on par with uh, what Subaru offers for interiors. My car's not a base model either. Yeah, um, and it's a thirteen. The new like again a seventeen Jetta base model is definitely a base model. Yeah, um, it feels a lot more tinny than my car does. Yeah, um, the seats are very flat. My seats are more bolstered. Um, the steering wheel rim is very thin on the new cheap Volkswagens. And annoyingly, the new Volkswagens all have a flat bottom steering wheel, which is super annoying. I don't understand why that's a thing. It's weird. As the steering wheel, like, slides back through your hands and you're steering, it's not smooth. It's got, like, a flat... It's just dumb. I don't like it. But, no, the the base model new Jettas... I was was considering buying a brand new Jetta because Mm -hmm. they're cheap. I needed a modernish car to just get around in and do, do some, you know, personal life things in. Um... And for you know fifteen nine, I was like, this is kind of a good deal. But then after actually driving one, I didn't feel like it was as much of a good deal as it I thought anymore. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel any better inside than a Nissan Versa, which mm-hmm. is another cheap car, you know. So no, pretty cheap. Yeah, and that's that's how the new Jetta feels if you buy a base model. If you go one level up, it's twenty two grand. It's a whole different car. The interior is entirely different. Hmm. So it's definitely definitely cheap cars. <laughs> you know what it does have? Hill hold, huh, yeah, which is the scourge of modern manual transmission cars. Yeah, I don't know when manufacturers decided that you needed hill hold in a car, because all of my other modern-ish Volkswagens have not had it. I think it's within the last like five years. Could be, and I don't know why you need it. If you know how to drive a manual, you don't need it. it. It's counterintuitive when you're using the car. I've stalled that car more times than I've stalled any car in my manual transmission driving life, and I've only had it for two weeks. Well, it comes on in the slightest incline. like, But not every time. But not every time. Right. And, like, Stephanie's car does it in the Crosstrek, and it drives us bananas. It's awful. Because you'll be on a nearly, or you perceive as a nearly flat intersection, and really takes you nothing to just come off the brake, let off the clutch, and just go. But when you go to let the clutch roll out and you're not really giving it that much throttle, the rear brakes are locked, so the car is going. The car is not moving and it sputters back and forth a little bit and being a diesel, it stalls quickly yeah. and violently. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't, you, you have a hard time catching it and it's not a smooth transition from not rolling to rolling. The other problem is, is that it holds the car for like two seconds so if you're in the middle of your transition from clutch in to clutch out, and then you have to figure out where the clutch needs to be to get the car to roll, and then the brake stops holding, and then you're all screwed up. Because you know, now like, you need the clutch in a different position and the gas in a different position. Yeah, and it's like... And you wind up... It sounds like you don't know how to drive a five-speed. Yeah. six. Or, excuse me. Six-speed. Manual transmission. Which also I'm having a hard time with because the first couple times i was driving on the highway i'd shift up through fourth gear and be like all right cool i'm ready and then i was like oh yeah i have more then i'll find myself in fifth gear for a while and then i remember i have six gears yeah yeah that happens every now and then because i switch between the wrx and the cross track well every manual transmission that i own save for that that i own that i currently use except for the raider uh is a four speed so i'm just so used to going to four and that's the end of the rev range (laughs) Brad's in his new Jetta. Yeah. Just screaming down the highway in yes. fourth gear. Yes. All I could picture was, is it was Dogma, the movie, where they're driving the Cavalier in first gear? And he's like, I you got a shift, man? He's like, shift? What's shift? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, like, 
Yeah, the Crosstrek drives is kind of crazy. It's like one of the only things we don't like about the car. Yeah, is it are new cars available without it? No. There's got to be a way to, to disable so it. So there is a way to disable it in the Volkswagen, but it requires having a VAGCOM. Yeah. Um, which I don't have. I know, I'm sure I, I know somebody who does if I ask around. I hadn't looked in the Subaru yet. It Like the other night we left uh, a concert and we're in a parking garage with a steep exit. And I was like, oh, here. Here's where I want Hill Hold. This is where it's working properly. But when I'm out on the street and I'm about to take off from a red light, I don't want it. <laughs> So I've established that the only time the hill hold comes on in the Jetta is when you come to a complete stop with both the clutch and the brake pedal fully depressed or depressed. Hmm. So if you pop it out of gear and roll to a stop with your foot off of the clutch and you just have the brake, it won't engage the hill hold. Yeah. If you just roll to a stop with you know just the clutch in and your foot off the brake, it won't engage the hill hold. It's only when you come to a stop with I both mean, of them. I mean, it's like... The greatest triumph in learning a manual transmission was being able to start and stop on a hill. Exactly. And now I can't anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very difficult. It was like the hardest thing you could learn. And once you master it, you were good to go. And uh, everybody who I've had, everybody who's driven my car, I've made them stop on a hill and see if they can do it without stalling. And not one person has successfully done it yet. No. So, and that's like four people have all stalled it after stopping on a hill. They drive manual transmissions all the time. Yeah, they're, and they're all, yeah, daily <laughs> manual users daily yeah. and they can't get this car to go on a hill like I, I get it now obviously after two weeks of driving it I can do it but it took a few days to get used to it oh and then and, when and going from car to car like I drove the Colt the 78 Colt <laughs> to Cars and Coffee I solved it twice I stalled the Jetta twice when I got back in it afterwards yeah uh, it probably is a dual mass too which feels different doesn't help yeah um, every Volkswagen does oh and then uh, oh I lost my train of thought where I was going with that He'll hold Jettas. He'll hold Jettas, Subarus, something. Modern cars being terrible. No, no, no. Not no, analog. No, no, no. They are analog. We didn't keep our cars analog. No, they are analog. It's. I, I will say that it's one of the more analog cars made in the past five years. It's analog because you have things to control. Yeah. It doesn't do a lot of driving for you or any driving for you. No, it is electric power steering, and it has ABS. It has traction. I don't care about electric power steering. Most electric power steering feels pretty good. Um, I was, I was introduced into electric power steering the wrong way. Uh, the first time I ever drove a car with electric power steering was a Chevy Malibu, and it was garbage. And I could tell that I wasn't actually connected to anything, and that really skewed my opinion of it um, from day one. So now that I own a car with it, and it's a you know. A German car that's engineered to be German, it's a lot better. I, I can't really tell that it's Subaru has it. I forget all the time that it has it. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't feel disconnected anymore like I did no. driving that Malibu when I first had that Malibu. It was it was it was garbage. It was real bad. No. They've got the speed bias right. It's it's fine. Yeah, it feels really good. And you can I, I this this obviously there's still a, a mechanical connection between the steering wheel and the front wheels. Yes. Um yeah, there has to be. <laughs> Yeah, it's connected through the rack, but so, the rack is assisted by a motor. Right. So you can still feel the road through the steering wheel. So, Which is nice, because there's one less system of hydraulic fluid to leak, and one less belt to yeah, service. Yeah, there really is. There so, really is. That's actually pretty nice. I, I do like it. Also positive, which I got to use today after work, I have air conditioning. Oh. I have not had air conditioning in a car for quite some time. How luxurious. Yes. Heated seats and air conditioning. I'm like living on cloud nine. Time to crush all the 78 Colts. Sorry. Sorry, guys. It's Jetta cast now. Yeah. No, it's it's a good car. I'm, Diesel I'm not, car cast. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a good car. I'm not going to say that it's my favorite car I've ever owned. I'm not going to say it's going to replace my old cars. It's it's for a purpose. It does that purpose well. You don't have to explain it. I do have to explain it. Why? Because I'm such like not a new car guy. It's not a new car. I feel... It's, it's an enough. enthusiast car. I feel like I've done a disservice to my years of promoting carburetors. Okay, I guess. So you still didn't buy a normal car. I bought yeah. You bought a diesel wagon with a manual, so it's not a I, normal. I bought car. the least normal normal car I could buy. Yeah, like to the average person seeing my car drive by, it's a normal car. But to somebody who knows what it is, it's like, oh, that's kind of neat. It's a manual transmission turbo diesel, and. There's not a lot of people that would go out and buy them that aren't into them anymore. Right. 
because everybody just knows the scandal and wouldn't buy yeah. them unless they know what the cars are and um, are an enthusiast. However, I will say if you're looking to buy a car right now, even if you're looking to buy a normal car, they do come automatic as well. Um, they're so cheap right now for good cars. Uh, so cheap. I would can I would swap the WX for one. Yeah, they're so cheap. You can buy one with twenty to thirty thousand miles on it for less than ten grand. Uh, thirty to forty thousand miles on it for less than ten grand, and they come with an extended warranty. So they're they're a smoking deal right now. You can't really. All right, cool. And that's it for Jetta Diesel Cast. Yeah, sorry you brought it up. <laughs> um, we waited two weeks to talk about it. I had a lot to say. Yeah. Although I will say that my car is the package that came with 16-inch wheels and no moonroof, um, so I will oh, be changing. How basic the, of you! I will be changing the wheels because <laughs> I can't not change. But it's 17s on it. No, it's got 16s, oh. which is also nice because rides cheap, nice. cheap tires and it rides nice. However, save the sidewalls. I am going to probably put 17s on it um, because I want to make it my own, my own, and make it not. Blend in as well as it does. Yeah, you're gonna slam it. Go to H2O. Yes. Roll some sweet cotton. No, and coal at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Roll coal and cotton. No, I'm not going to become a scene kid. Just this gray mixture of smoke. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna become a scene kid. I won't have like negative offset, fake BBS RSs. It'll be tastefully done. And Get some nice. for Stokens or whatever the hell they are. I, I, that's not it, and I know what it is. But now that you said Verstoken, I can't remember what it, it is. It makes sense. it's so. a scene kid wheel. Like get, you gotta get those Verstokens, man. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, Rotiforms or yeah. uh, var, var, vest, vest, oh, man. Verstokens. It's not Verstoken. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, no, it's gonna probably get Comp Motos or Sparkos. Cool. So, uh, I've talked about it before when I learned how to weld, and I took a MIG welding class at a local makerspace, mm-hmm. which if you're not familiar with like makerspaces, there's probably one near you. It's basically, people have decided that, um, you know, cool shop tools are really expensive, so if everybody like bands together and puts them in a area and then charge like a membership, you get access to them, especially in like a big city like the Boston area. Mm-hmm. You can't keep like... A bunch of woodworking tools and a bunch of metalworking tools. Yeah, this was in Somerville, right? This is in Somerville. So this is just outside of Boston, Cambridge. It's it's for the hobbyist who lives in an apartment. Yeah. And there's a lot of, uh, if you've been to this area in Cambridge or you're from here, you understand. There's like a ton of technology students, just people that are generally into tech and building things. So it it just makes sense that there's a space like this. Yeah, for sure. It's a, very, it's called, it's a cool concept. Yeah, it's called the Artist Asylum in Somerville. And... They've also got like little stalls in there. If you're an artist, you can rent and like sell your stuff out of. Like and a the, little studio space, kind of. Yeah. Like, um, like a studio, like a looking for gallery, gallery fair yeah. space. Like you can work out of there. You can sell some stuff out of there. Uh, they've got like a 3D printer you can use. They have classes on like SolidWorks. They have like robot building classes, like little you know like small robots, like electronics classes, like BattleBots. Yeah, like the little <laughs> tiny ones. Uh, they have a giant wood shop, and uh, so and they have a, a big metal shop with metalworking tools and stuff. And uh, they had a little a single day. It was like four hours uh, MIG welding class. And it was myself and Jordan Liz from Iron Oxide Racing because we wanted to uh, learn how to weld so they can fix stuff on the rally car. And I also just wanted to know because we have a bunch of uh, stuff that needs to be fixed and welded up. Thirteen Jettas. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it was super cool. Like it was, I had a limited experience with welding stuff and so did Jordan Liz. And it was like very in depth for four hours and like hands on. Yeah. The stuff that you came back, the knowledge you came back is the same kind of knowledge I had after my, you know, six week welding course. So that's, I was pretty impressed with what they taught you. Yeah. And it was like very small class. Uh, it was almost full, I guess, because we're like, how many is it normally? He's like six, and there was five of us. So there was these two other guys, and uh, they were both into uh, – one of them was into building. He's friends with uh, the people that build Lemons cars, and they were like, oh, yeah, we're building a rally car. And then the the instructor knew about NEFR, and uh, he's organizing a gambler in northern Maine. So, like, it was, like, very cool. And he's like, oh, give me examples. He's like, this makes it really easy that you're all working on car stuff because, like, the examples I want to give – 
or about car stuff. So And you can also use the same examples for the whole class, so that's really neat. Yeah. So for like, you know, he showed us different techniques with, you know, butt welds and um when you do a ninety degree, ninety degree it's a flute weld? No. I don't remember the terminology. Gosh darn it. I took a while years ago. Whatever. When you put two pieces together at ninety degrees and you weld them. Uh and then like also like doing some thin wall stuff and then just like what to do if you blow through it and like especially that'll be like we'll probably start with like exhaust stuff because that's like pretty easy. And Sheet like, metal is more difficult because you're working with a very thin medium so yeah. it's hard to get the heat right and not either A, blow through the material or warp the material. Yeah. So it's better to start on thicker, thicker not finished items. Like exhaust doesn't need to have a perfect finish. Yeah. So we'll probably start doing stuff like that. And Actually, you know what we can start on? What's that? The tailpipe on the 78 Colt needs to be rewelded on. All right. So that's perfect. All right. I'm going to so do it. We'll do that this weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. So super, super cool and uh, cool to learn new stuff. And they, they do offer a TIG welding class that I think I want to take mm-hmm. later on. You but should definitely get some more MIG welding yeah, yeah, yeah. before you go on. But I had, that takes, I had a crash course in TIG welding. That's not a single day. They do four separate days. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. I, I, I did like a crash course my last two or three classes at my welding class. Um, and it's incredibly difficult because you have extra appendages at work. <laughs> Both your hands are working and one foot is working all in unison together. Oh, so you're using your foot to turn can, the gun yes. on? Yeah. Or the torch? It, but you're not just turning it on and off. It's a potentiometer switch. Oh. So you have to control with your foot. He did basically, he sort of mentioned it. It's like you've got the torch for the electrode and then you've got your MIG welding stick. Mm-hmm. But you can't really let them like touch. Like yeah, they get close. Near each other. Yeah. It's like so. You so your your one hand holds like, one hand holds the torch. One hand holds the welding material, and then you have to have whatever you're welding together is obviously clamped right, together. So it's ex- and then your foot is the speed. It's extreme like, soldering. It's really extreme soldering. Yeah. yeah, it's very difficult. That's that's what it sounds like. Extreme soldering. Yeah, I had a real hard I had a real hard time with it. It's kind of like the rubbing your belly and tapping your head at the same time kind of yeah. movements. It's it's pretty difficult to master. I'm sure after you've done it a lot, you can do it, but I certainly did not learn in two days, two days over the class. Yeah. I mean, they teach it there too, because they have like a bike repair shop and they like teach bike building. So you, yep. you take weld aluminum bike oh, frames. Oh, very and stuff. Somerville of them. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> um, no, nah, super cool though. Definitely, definitely into it. Uh, no, I'm totally into learning new things and learning technical skills like that, yeah. especially because they go a long way and it costs a lot of money to have somebody weld things for you because it is a skill that not a lot of people have. So having that skill makes you marketable on top of mm-hmm. learning how to do it for mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. Next thing you know, you open a welding shop and you people just come to you and say, hey, weld this together for me. So sure, it's not difficult once you've learned it. So um, I had to put a battery in the talon. So you welded it in place. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I'm always like, I've had the best of this battery for 10 years because I keep it on a battery tender, and, well, it finally wouldn't hold the charge. <laughs> well, 10 years is a good long time. I went to um, start the other day, and it wasn't plugged in to the tender, and it uh, just wouldn't start. I was like, cool. Hmm. So I plugged the tender, and the tender brought it back enough to start it because uh, I had to get out of the garage for, uh, I think they were fixing the door or something on that day. But... Um, I spent a little extra money and I got the Red Top Optima because they don't leak acid. Is it a lot more money now? Because I think regular batteries have gotten so expensive. How much is a regular battery? $130, $150. Okay. The the, the Optima was $200 of the coupon. Okay. So it's not that much more. No. And it doesn't leak acid. And those definitely last longer than a normal lead acid yep. battery. You definitely get, you definitely almost get 10 years out of them if you take care of them. Yeah. Much better. And that's my big thing. Like if you've got a really nice engine compartment, you don't have all this acid coming out of the battery because even if the battery is not "quote unquote" leaking, it still gives off uh, gas. Gas. Yep. Uh, when so it's charging, it still causes corrosion around your terminals. Yes. And if you look at a lot of cars that aren't well cared for, and you know, working, excuse me, working in the automotive industry, I deal with you know normal non-car people's cars on a daily basis, and a vast majority of them, when you open the hood. The terminals are covered in blue growth, 
and any metal that's touching that battery is also covered in the same growth. Yeah. So the strap that holds it down, the tray that it sits in, and all that is battery acid. Yeah, and in <laughs> so some of our metal. our older cars, if they even have the battery tray left, it hasn't rotted through. Right. Uh, it's nice to... Um, and then that's the crazy thing. My Talon, I've had it for so long, it actually had the original plastic battery tray. And yeah, not many of them have that anymore. Yeah, that actually keeps the acid contained so it doesn't leak everywhere. So, yeah, and, I mean, that's a good tip. Like, when you do pull a battery from your car, your old car especially, mm -hmm. uh, if you can, you have the time, put some POR in there and seal it up, mm -hmm. clean it. Well, wash it out first, get rid of all the At acid. At bare minimum, put some paint on it. Yeah, just put something on it to cover it and then try to get a, a decent battery if yeah. you can. Actually, you can buy the plastic tray to put the battery in. You can buy trays, like universal ones now. Oh. So, yeah. if you don't have one... Because a lot of old cars didn't come with them. Um, if you have a car from like you know the early '80s on down, it won't, yeah. it won't even have one. But you can buy a universal tray now to put the battery in, just to keep it. It's like buying a WeatherTech mats for your front of your car. Like keeps the stuff contained inside an area. Yeah. And I fixed the fuel issue in the Glot. Yeah. So did we talk about that? We must have talked about the fact that you had turned the boost down because it was running real lean. Probably last year. Yeah. Uh, or the end of last year. You, you're having a little bit of issue with the car because it was running super lean. So you turned the boost down. It was also running really lean. hard to start. Yeah, it was real hard to start. Um, especially after it's been sitting. Like if it, it was just been sitting and you shut it off, it's fine and turn it back on. But if it sits for anything more than a day, it like takes a couple cranks. To, like it's building pressure back up. Right. It's still kind of doing that. I'm not sure why. But I did find a loose vacuum line to the boost control solenoid. Mm -hmm. It popped off. I hadn't replaced that specific one yet with silicone line that's going to be my next project i also did replace the fuel filter and i replaced the high pressure line off the tank with a new line yeah, you had just to be sure earl's line that you had done an fittings on yeah but they released a new one that was more stands up to the alcohol and the fuel better yep um it definitely runs better and it's not lean anymore right? no not at all uh, but it is still acting funny where it takes more than a couple cranks if the car's been sitting for a while to like build up pressure, mm -hmm. which is kind of weird, but I'll get to it. That's not normal? No, it, it should start a lot faster. Hmm. Talon starts a lot quicker. Do you have a manual um, fuel pressure regulator on the Glot? No. You do on the Talon, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That could be a difference right there. Yeah, but it before, that's the thing, once you have a car long enough... Yeah, you learn earthquakes. It's never acted like this before, so it's definitely there's something not right with it. Mm. So I'll just have to look at it some more. But I did put the summer tires on it, and I washed and waxed both cars for the season, and I got them ready for we already talked about it, cars and coffee. So I yeah. took the talent to cars and coffee. Yeah. What was your favorite car at cars and coffee this week? Oh, month, this month. Uh. Ooh, that's a tough call. There's some really cool stuff there. Trying to think of what was like really stood out. Oh, I like the country, the golf country. The golf country. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Why that I was kind of different. Yeah. It was a blue. Yeah. Blue golf country. For this week, there was a really nice '97 Viper GTS though too. Yeah. Whatever. I like those. Yeah, they're okay. There was a. Uh, I think my favorite thing of the event was wasn't my favorite vehicle because it wasn't in the cleanest of shape it was pretty rusty the volkswagen thing no the was there one that was there oh there was one an yep. orange one yeah uh the toyota blizzard oh yeah uh my favorite thing about that though from friendlies yeah i've outside of new england nobody knows what you just said um or is it dq it's dq oh dq is blizzard yeah everybody does know that what was friendlies one uh, a fribble maybe i think it was a fribble friendlies had a fribble um anyway there's like three friendlies left so no, the, the Toyota Blizzard, it's basically like a short wheelbase FG, FG, FJ 60. It's like a really squared off turbo diesel two-door SUV. Jordan said a BJ. It, it is. That, that's what it is. But I'm saying for those for those who don't you know know what it is. Oh, right. Um, the uninitiated, if you will. Yeah, shame on you. Stephanie, that's for you. Um, because it's such a short wheelbase, the fuel tank is in the rear right behind the bumper, and then it's leaf spring rear, and then the exhaust is right in the outside of the leaf spring, but there's only like a four-inch overhang off the back of the car. 
so the exhaust has to exit exactly where the mud flaps are. So mm-hmm. Toyota put a factory hole in the middle of the mud flap, and the exhaust comes through the middle of the mud flap on the factory mud flaps. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But my favorite car probably also was the Golf Country because you just don't see those. They're no, pretty, not at all here. Pretty cool cars, and they've gone up way too high in value. No, so that was really cool. Yep. Trying to find the date for the May one. Oh, I didn't have it ready to go. I don't know either. We're gonna say May. May twelfth. Twelfth. It is May twelfth. Same location. Find it on Facebook. Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee. It's in Salem at the Coffee Factory. Anything else? I don't think so. I think that's it. You didn't do any other project cars? I've been horrible and haven't touched anything. That's all about to change, though, very soon. We have some time coming up. We can work on things, and we'll be getting lots of project cars turned out. Oh, I did go to Connecticut to pick up. I don't oh, know right. we, we've discussed that uh, Barney the Purple Conquest. Yep. Somebody took out the factory radiator and the factory electric fans and they put it in an ill-fitting radiator that leaks and a like direct drive fan right off the water pump, mm-hmm. which is not correct and super irritating to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, Also, that radiator was leaking. That's what I'm saying. It was an ill-fitting leaking radiator. So somebody in the local Starion Conquest group put a post up the other day. They had switched out to like slim fans and an aluminum radiator in their Starion. So they had their factory set up with a good, a known good radiator and two electric fans uh, for $45. So the entire factory set up for $45. Sweet. So I couldn't pass the deal up. It was a two-hour drive to go get it, but totally worth it to me. Um, also... Got to meet Graham, the guy who was selling the parts. Yeah. He's a Starion guy through and through. He has three Starions. Cool. Um, he has one that's like a super nice... Does he want two more? <laughs> Probably, yes. But he has one that's like a really super nice, low-mile, garage queen, white with um, tan leather. It's just stunning 88. And he has his Project Hot Rod is also 88 white with tan cloth, mm-hmm. which is ultra rare. I've never seen a cloth. Ultra, interior. ultra rare. Yep. Um, so we went for a quick ride in that while I was down there. It has full coilovers, sway bars, exhaust, a slightly heavy duty clutch, um, but not a lot of engine modifications. It has a lot more reliability mods. So it's got a full suspension setup and reliability mods, and the car drives amazing. And that's kind of what I want my car to be like. Oh, we also had another thing, a Starion Market Watch. There was another one that went. There was. For like 15 or 16 grand or something. Please hold. It was the Palm Beach. Yeah. Whatever the Barrett auction. Jackson. Yeah, Barrett Jackson Florida auction that happened last week. Yeah. Well, while you're looking that up, we also spent some time on the phone with Brian Driggs of the Gearhead Project and recorded a extra long, extra special podcast for his podcast the gearhead project yep so you'll be able to hear that there at some point two hours long almost uh we'll post links to it when he gets it up um he's doing some cool stuff over there with some really cool people meaning us and a bunch of other people and others yeah (laughs) actually a lot of crossover guests too like uh joshua mead from uh adventure driven design but it it's worth listening to brian's podcast because he talks about different stuff than we talk about. Like it's a different go, angle. It's a different angle. Yeah. So it's definitely, and if you're interested in like small businesses and getting yeah. that sort of stuff. Bri- Brian's that, whole thing is the gearhead life, not the cars themselves. Yes. So like we touch on the cars, obviously, but he has more of the uh, integrating the life of a gearhead into your professional life and being the whole work-life balance thing is his is his whole. Work-life parallel. Sorry. Right. I apologize. I'm sorry, Brian. You can punch me when I'm there in person. Work-life parallel is his whole thing. So basically that, you know, you have one life. Enjoy it, live it, love it, do something you like. All right. So Starion Market Watch. <laughs> Apparently yes. this is a segment. It is a new segment. We have to come up with intro music and everything. <laughs> uh, Starion Market Watch. Oh, oh StarQuest Market Watch is what I was going to call it. Okay. Makes more sense. We'll play the Star. This is actually a Star Search it, music. Interesting, interesting theories and not theories. Interesting points of interest on this particular car. 
it's a conquest, not a starion. Okay. Uh, already, and so it's already the least, it's already the less desirable version. Yep. People want starions. It's a conquest. And it was an 86, right? It's red. Yeah. Least desirable color. Right. It's an 86, least desirable wide body year. There's yep. a lot of one year only 86 parts. Um, the mileage on the car is not super, super low. Uh, 63,000 miles. So it's low. It's definitely a low mile car. It's not like 10,000 miles, but right. it's 63,000 miles. Sold for $14,300. Not bad. Not bad at all. So the car is really clean. It doesn't have any rust. It's an original paint, original interior car. No stories. It's got surface rust on some underhood components. Nothing outside of the ordinary. It's not the blue chip car, the $30,000 car was, is what I'm trying to say. It's a strong driver. It's you a really strong it. driver. You, you, you could drive this car... You know, you could put 10,000 miles on it and probably not lose any money. Yeah. So you could enjoy it for summertime use. No problem at all. Um, it's just a positive sign that the market for these cars is... It wasn't a one-car situation. Like, the market is on the upswing. There's been, from the range of twelve to $30,000 in the past year, there's been some real nice cars being sold. And it's uh, it's time to jump on one if you want one because they're, they're going up quick. So... And the good ones are being bought up, and they're being put away now. So they're no longer going to be driver cars. They're going to be collector cars. So, All right. I think that's a podcast. Excellent. So, as always, find us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast. Find us on Instagram, Auto Off Topic. Find me on Instagram, Race and Anger. And find Brad on Instagram, TSI, SS, TDI. No. TDI, TSI, 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 it is actually TSI SS three five zero. Yeah, not TSI TDI, not TDI SS, not TDI TSI. <laughs> Just because I bought a car doesn't mean I'm going to change my entire <laughs> online persona. All right, keep cars analog and diesel, or at least mostly analog. <laughs> it's plenty analog, and aim for the roses. <laughs>